Oh, goodness. You know, they say practice makes perfect. The truth behind that is the more experience you have with something, the more you know about it. And uh, you will talk at differing levels to different levels of experience. You'll talk in different ways. I will talk about theology with a child differently than I will talk with a seminarian. Uh, I remember back when I was first getting into working with computers and on computers and different operating systems. I was having a conversation one day and I thought I knew a lot. And a guy looked at me and he said, well, how does the GUI of this Linux distribution compare with the GUI of Windows or Mac? I kind of thought I kept my stuff clean. It's not GUI, but that's, that's not what he meant. Um, some of you give me the same look that I gave him when I say things about RAM or solid-state drives or logical partitions. They'll kind of go, huh? What is that? That's kind of what I was looking at when talking about the GUI. I know what GUI is now. Back then, I didn't know. And we talk with people on the level that they're at. And the same thing happens. It should be a surprise to us when we come to our text and our series today that, that John also says things to certain groups. As we continue in our series, That Thing You Do, Journeying Through Life with Jesus, we see the elder John begin talking to the members of the church. There in chapter 2. We're going to pick up right where we left off two weeks ago. There in verse 12. And we're only reading three verses. So let's pick up there in verse 12 and read what, what John says to his church. He says, I am writing to you little children because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus' name. I'm writing to you fathers because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have had victory over the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have had victory over the evil one. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time, that you would use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel with the words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We, we ask that you would be with us now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. All of God's people say. Amen. You know, the people John is talking to is important. He does separate the young and the old. Uh, and you know, you should go two ways when you read this text. You can look at what he says to each individual group. Or you can look at something else. Because the message here for each group is a message for the whole church. He's talking to everyone in the church because at some point, we are all in one of these groups. We are little children in the faith. We are fathers who, who have children. We are in that middle age and we have those young men that, that, you know, young men think they can do everything, right? Young men who will try at anything. But for me, this morning, for our purposes, we are looking at what he says overall to the church through these statements. And the first one is that in Jesus your sins are already forgiven. That might sound familiar. Vince talked about it for longer than I'm going to last week. Uh, your sins are already forgiven. They're, they're not going to be forgiven. They are. The Greek here is a perfect tense. It means it's an ongoing result. It's if you have Jesus, your sins are already forgiven. 
If you have that relationship, if you were there, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen down the road. You don't have to worry about those times that you fall, those times that you don't get it right, those times that you mess up. You don't have to worry about those things because it's already covered. It's already taken care of. Because that's one of the overall themes that John has here in his epistle. Time and again, he says, you shouldn't sin, but you're going to sin. And when you do sin, your sins will be taken care of because Jesus already took care of it. You shouldn't have to go through it. You shouldn't make that, that, step, that mistake. You shouldn't be living in that way. But when you make a mistake and when you fall, you can be guaranteed that your sin is covered. But, but, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. So what does that mean for that statement? What does it mean for this statement that your sins are forgiven if you know Jesus? In Jesus, your sins are forgiven. What does that mean? So that means it doesn't matter how I live my life or what I do, as long as I say that I have Jesus and I walk the aisle and I said a prayer, that from then on everything's great. No! That's not what the passage says. Because he goes on to talk about the fact that knowing Jesus is not simple head knowledge. It's a deep, ongoing spiritual relationship. You are walking in relationship with Jesus. You are walking in such a way that your day is not complete if you have not gone to Jesus to see what He wants you to do. You, you cannot live your life apart from Jesus and say you have a relationship. He says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who was from the beginning. You have come to know Him. You know Him. I have met a lot of celebrities in my life. There are people that I have met that, that I can start saying, you know, I've, I've met Candace Cameron. I've met some Dallas Cowboy players. I've, I've met some politicians besides Kevin Andrews. I've, uh, I've met some other people. I have met famous people. But I don't know those famous people. We had an interaction. And some of them were positive, And some of them were not positive. But I can't say that I know them. I can't say that I can pick up the phone and call Candace Cameron Bure and say, hey, I'm coming over for dinner. That doesn't happen because there's no relationship there. The problem we have here is that so many in this world want to say, I have all of the benefits of a relationship with Jesus without the actual relationship with Jesus. If I got up in the morning and I put my clothes on, and I made breakfast, and I left, and I went to work, and I came home, and I had my day, and I watched TV, and I went to bed, and I never spoke to Carrie. That's not a relationship. That's a living arrangement. And too many people want their salvation to just simply be a living arrangement. I'm going to make a little bit of space to say that I belong to Jesus, but it's not going to be much. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to paint the sign on my door that says Jesus saves, but I'm not going to act like Jesus saves. I'm not going to walk in a relationship with He who gave His life for me. And so, knowing Jesus isn't head knowledge. I can know that Jesus died for my sins and came back from the dead. I can know those things. Doesn't mean I'm saved. I was listening to James Merritt this morning. He quoted out of the Gospels. What does it say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And they're going to say to me, but, man, Jesus, I preached in your name. I did miracles in your name. I drove out demons in your name. I did all the right stuff. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. The key to your sins being covered and always forgiven is the relationship that you have with Jesus. You can't claim a relationship and not walk in it and expect to have the benefits of that relationship. I can't expect that my marriage is going to be happy if I never put time in that relationship. I can't expect that we're going to grow and we're going to come to know each other better. I'm never going to have those things. Why? Well, because I'm not spending time like I need to. That's the same thing with our relationship with Jesus. If we're not going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, show me the way. Jesus, give me what I need to know. If we're not following Him in that way, if we only know Jesus through head knowledge rather than relationship and heart knowledge, we can't be guaranteed that our sins are forgiven. That's the thing here. That we should be inspecting our lives for the relationship to know we can claim the promises. Because apart from the relationship, there is no promise. But he goes on to say, if you have the relationship, and you're walking daily, and you're seeking to be who you're called to be, and you're doing what it is that God wants you to do, if all of those things are occurring, and you know that your sins are forgiven, and you know that you are with God, and you have a relationship with Him, if you know all of these things, then it is possible to overcome and defeat the enemy. Oh, ooh. wait a minute. But the devil made me do it. No. The devil didn't make you do anything. The devil can tempt you. He can show you a way you don't need to be on. But the devil can't make you do it. He doesn't have that power. Too often we want to ascribe power to the enemy that the enemy doesn't have. He want to say, but the enemy is coming at me. Well, great, let the enemy come at you. Because Jesus gave you the tools to overcome the enemy. And if we're spending time with Jesus, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. He's given us the tools to overcome that. The devil is a coward. That's what we're told. That's what the Bible says. What does Peter say? He's crouching around like a lion. He's trying to get you. And then James says, if you just stand up to him, he'll flee. If you just stand up and say, no, thank you. You know, I, I posted on, on the page here a few days back, a baby, right? A baby that said, back off, devil. I belong to Jesus. That's it. I don't have to worry about what the devil's trying to do. I don't have to worry about what the enemy's trying to do. Because I belong to Jesus. And He's given me the tools to stand up to Him. And that biggest tool we have is right here. If we know this, if we understand what this says, it doesn't matter what He says. Because I know what His end is. I've read the back of the book. The devil loses. God wins. God's already won. We just got to walk in it. He won 2,000 years ago on the cross. That day it was finished. It was done. 
There's nothing else that has to be done because he's paid it all and it's there. And, and all we have to do is claim the victory. The devil can't touch you if you're walking in Jesus. He's going to try. Hmm. For some reason, there is this fallacy out there that when we come to know Jesus, things become rosy. When we come to know Jesus, I'm just going to be blessed and money's going to pour in and I'm not going to be sick anymore and I'm going to have all this stuff that goes great. But that's not what the Scripture tells us. The Scripture actually says the opposite. It says when you're following Jesus, the devil's going to try to get you. The devil's going to do everything he can do to bring you down. He's going to throw every trick he has at you and he's going to try to make you do what he made Eve do in the garden. What is he going to do? Because what did he do to Eve? Did God really say that? He just twisted the words a little bit. Did God really say that? He's been trying to make you doubt God. Because if He can put a little seed of doubt in there, and He can water it, and He can tend it, and He can fertilize it, He can cause a problem in your life. Because all it takes is a crack. All it takes is a little bit of doubt. That's what He tries to do. That's why a relationship with Jesus, when where you walk with Him, that is why it's so important. Because God's Word in your life brings a supernatural strength. It feeds you. It equips you. It prepares you. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If it's dark in here, and I have a lamp right here, I can't see back there. But God does that on purpose. Because if I could see back there, I wouldn't move from here. God shows me what I need to see so that I'll take that next step of faith in Him. So I will do what He wants me to do. He gives me the light. He gives me the lamp. He tells me which way to go. And then He tells us in His, in His Word to put on the full armor of God. He tells us to put it on each and every day and be ready for battle. But we don't battle each other. We don't battle humans. We battle the principalities. We battle those people. We battle the demons. We battle the things that are out there. We stand in God's promises and say, Enemy, you will not overcome me. You will not defeat me because I belong to Jesus and I know the promises He has for me in His Word. That's what it's called. That's what we're called to be. That's who we're called to be like. Because we find by reading what he says here that a life of victory is only found in relationship with Jesus. A life of victory can only be found there. He starts says, I'm writing to you because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus' name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have had victory over the evil one. Because you know Jesus, because you know Jesus, because you walk with Jesus, you can have a life of victory. You don't have to have a life of defeat. Too many of us walk around that way. We walk around with our head down thinking, oh, but that's not who we are. Negative things happen. We can either laugh at them and stand in God's hope, or we can let it get us down. Oh, well. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. 
I mean, we've all been there, right? Something hits, and God, I just, I don't know, I don't know. Why me, Lord? That's Christmas talk for sure, right? Why me, Lord? Why do we? Why, 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 why do I have to go through this? Why am I dealing with this? My church this morning, we had a funeral to go to, and we're talking about family, and, and Shano says, you're, good, you're going to go do her dad's funeral? Yeah. And his mind is, is thinking, because she's older than I am, and I'm just now doing her dad's funeral. He says to me, both your parents are already dead. And I said, yeah. I said, it happens that way sometimes. Sometimes that's life. Sometimes that's what happens. And I can either turn inward, and I can, and I can continually grieve over this one moment, or I can live in the legacy they left for me. I can be the person they raised me to be. And that is, that is what we're called to here. A life of victory. I can't let every little thing that happens drag me back down. It's very easy. I mean, you turn on the computer and it's all there, right? Turn on the TV, it's all negative. There's nothing positive anymore. The most positive thing I've seen on the news this week is that a Texas team from Austin, Round Rock, won a million dollars in a fortnight competition in Denmark. I guess that's kind of positive. But everything else has been death. It's been destruction. It's been everything's falling apart. And it's easy to look at our world and think, well, that's what life is. But life doesn't have to be that way. He didn't say that I'm writing to you because you might have the victory. He says I'm writing to you because you have had the victory over the evil. You have had You already have it. It's already there. It's something you can claim. It's something that you can walk in. I have had that. It's already there. And you remain, God's Word remains in you, and you have victory over the evil one. have had victory. Woo! I'm not looking forward to the victory. I have the victory. The victory isn't out there somewhere. It's here. It's now. It's right here. I just have to claim it and walk in it. That's what we're called to be. That's what the fifth mark of authentic Christian walk is. It's a victorious life in the face of a fallen world. I don't have to live my life like the world tells me to live my life. I don't have to be downtrodden because the world tells me I need to be downtrodden. I can live in victory because God has called me to live in victory. Because it doesn't matter what's going on out there. It doesn't matter what's happening I serve a God who still holds the world in His hand. And He'll still at any moment can reach in and affect the events that are going on. And it doesn't, it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of faith to get there, honestly. It's not like God does great things all the time. Every day. This morning you got up. And thousands of miles of veins in your body held together as your heart pumped five quarts of blood through you over and over and over again. 
That's a miracle in itself. We will never win the world walking like we're defeated. <clears throat> we'll also never win the world walking like we're militant. <clears throat> it's funny, there's a song that I love because of Little House on the Prairie, but I, just, I have a hard time singing it in church. Onward Christian soldiers. And I have a hard time with it because of how I interpret marching as to war. But when we were in the Hispanic church, we would sing that song. And the verse was, was a little bit different. It was Onward Christian soldiers marching without feet. Spanish round better. Um, so, I like that. We're called to, to not be afraid. And we're called to love. And we're called to be a light. And that's impossible to do. If we're always angry. If we're always upset. If we're always downtrodden. <laughs> we can't be those things. We have, some, we have some lights in our living room about the fireplace and they change colors. And uh, you can change the color to red, but it's not a really good color to light your living room. Because it'll make you angry after a while. Because it affects you. That's why we say when I'm mad that I'm seeing red, right? That doesn't bring people to Jesus. I can be upset and mad at the things that are going on in our world and in our country. But I've got to love people before God can change me. Maybe this morning you are You've been struggling with, with all of this. You don't know how to, to claim victory when life looks like it does. I encourage you this morning to, to press into Jesus. And you'll start to see the world a different way. Maybe this morning you just want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start a missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning, though, you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've heard the story. You've heard it time and time and time again, and you've never made that step. Now's the time you just walk by and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the one who came, who left perfection, came down and died for me. I want to know the one who paid that price. Come down the house and try one of Jesus. We'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.